Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you know always how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add my podcast on the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application if you join Podgo. Welcome back to another episode of My Point of View with me, Camila. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Are we enjoying the intro? I think that we're really enjoying the new intro. And yes, I had an ad for the very first time on my podcast. I'm just trying to see if I can, because I cannot find a job for the life of me. I'm trying to see if I can make a little bit of money off of some of my episodes. So yeah, I have an ad. If you want to know more about Podgo and how it works, just message me on Instagram if you're interested. But yeah, basically there's that. Um, I'm recording this on the 3rd of December and this is going up on the 7th. So yeah, there's not much going on in my life really. <laughs> I'm just studying every day, all day. Uh, when you listen to this, it's going to be a week. To, for my birthday, which is insane, I'm gonna do a solo episode for my birthday just so everyone knows. I'm gonna do maybe like a, I don't know what I want to do. I want to do something more like heartfelt, and then some days I just want to do something more funny. I don't know if you follow Cody Ko. He does this like yearly video for his birthday that is very very funny. That's called like nobody likes you when you are blank the age. Um, and he puts the age that he was before that now he's a year older, whatever. Just go on this. I, I think I'm going to do something more of that route than more like, oh, 22 lessons that I've learned. Because I I don't think I've learned many lessons. I feel like if I want to do like a more look back lessons episode, I'm going to have to just do that. I think I'm going to do that for like New Year's episode because I'm gonna, I have like a solo episode like slot saved for my like New Year's episode like the monday before new year's i'm gonna do like a solo episode in like new year's resolutions and lessons and all of that um but yeah yeah we have two more solo episodes this this month coming up so i hope you enjoy that but yeah basically in my life i'm just studying all the time every day all day and i don't do anything else and then i just take a break to record this podcast and then i keep on studying and then i keep on studying and then i go to bed and then i wake up and i do it all over again <laughs> basically that's my life but uh, yeah i don't have anything else to say i just gonna i'm gonna talk about today's episode today's episode is a very 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 exciting one because i followed christy for so long i mean so long it feels like so long but maybe it's like two years <laughs> which is insane um but i don't know I, I i and i tell her in the episode i always felt so connected to christy because we have similar Li- not lifestyles but she has um she has a major in political science and international relations and i am doing that and she has like her most social media podcast youtube side stuff and i have this podcast as a side thing and we talk about that and it was very interesting but i wasn't saying who the guest was the guest is christy better 
she's the best. I'm so thankful to have had both of the hosts from Fingers Crossed on my podcast, which is one of my favorite, favorite podcasts ever. Fingers Crossed on anywhere you want to find it you can listen to it it's an amazing podcast and i had them both here sierra a couple months back and now i had christy and i don't know it just it's insane to me sometimes to look back on and like the the whole like craziness of this month i just sometimes need to stop and look back on everything that i'm achieving with this podcast and i'm really excited about everything that i'm doing here so i hope you're enjoying everything that I'm doing and every guest that I'm bringing and and everything and if you're enjoying you can leave a review on Apple Podcast. Yes, you thought you were safe from the shameless promo, you weren't. But <laughs> yeah, but and let me know if you like, for example, write a review after this podcast, after this episode on Apple Podcast. Let me know which episode was the first you listened to or which episode you're coming from. I really would love to just connect with the people who listen to me. I love that. But yeah, basically. I had Christy better on the podcast, which is insane. I think that's how you say her last name. Maybe it's very Spanish Argentinian for me to pronounce so much the T's. But I think I'm saying it correctly. But yeah, we basically talked. We talked for a half an hour about the international relations and our field and how hard it is to get a job and how many options you have and all of her experience, which is was so insane to me to listen because I don't have many people that study that around me that are out of college and have had the whole experience. So it was so interesting to listen to her. And just basically everyone that knows me knows that I want to move to the U.S. and New York more than more than any other place. And just, I don't know, listening to her experience working in the field that I want to get into someday in the future. It was just so insightful and so helpful. And I love that. And then we talked about her YouTube, her online presence and how her YouTube fits into her life. And then we talked about New York and D.C. and the differences between those and then, I mean, we talked about, like, lessons and, like, handling stress. I mean, we talk about so many things. I don't even know how I'm going to call, like, what this episode names is gonna, name is going to be because I have we have talked about so many things. It's insane. But it was a such per helpful episode. It's a longer episode, of course, but it was such, like, a great episode overall. And, yeah, I don't have anything else to say, I think. No, I don't have anything else to say. I think I said it all. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, if you enjoy it, let me know. iTunes reviews, please. Thank you. Because it helps me just to get more recognition and get pushed to other people, basically. Um, also, like if you like this episode, subscribe, follow, whatever you do in the platform that you're listening. Because so you get notified, notified every time I have a new episode out. So yeah, basically that's everything that I need to say. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting. And I guess I'm just gonna just shut up and leave you with the episode. Yeah. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of My Point of View. Today, I have a very, very exciting guest. Hi, Christy. Hi. I'm also so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. This is only my second podcast that I've guested on. So still kind of new to me, but yeah, it should be fun. So do you want to give a little bit of an introduction so people know who you are, but I'm sure everyone knows. <laughs> I doubt it. Um, yes, my name is Christy. I am a YouTuber, social media person, but I graduated from grad school last year. So I feel like everyone has two different versions of themselves. They have like 
their career self and then they have their 2020 self where they're just like doing something completely different um but I went to school for international relations I studied international peace and conflict resolution at American University and got my master's last year and then that's that was in Washington DC and then from there I moved to New York so um I have a place in New York but right now in 2020 I've been kind of like bopping to a couple different places um and I was in LA for a little bit with my friends I just started a podcast this year so I've been kind of like doing different social media and endeavors this year and now I'm in Oregon spending the holidays and kind of like quarantining with my family and then I will be back in New York next year so I'm kind of just doing social media at the moment um, but I'm looking to get back into a job or doing something in international relations and getting back into the field in the next year so exciting yeah it's very exciting I love the fact that you study study international relations because I am doing that right now and I'm in the middle of finance and oh my gosh insane. when are you gonna graduate uh next year hopefully because uh, here it's not like the same as in the states structure. colleges are very different yeah I have how like many years whole... is your college four thank oh, god okay. it's four but it should be <laughs> on five like you know when you really? see the subjects and you're there's no way I can do this in four mm -hmm. years I don't know how I mean there's no way I can do this in four years and have like a full-time job like there's no oh, chance yeah. in definitely <laughs> it's definitely but... a tricky balance I know that for sure Like, I remember when I was in grad school, they had, it was two years, but then it was also this bonus three credits that you just had to, like, squeeze in at some point. Mm -hmm. And so most people would have done something over the summer, like, taking a class in the summer between the two years. And then I ended up doing it afterwards. So I did two years and then a summer. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm. it's just funny how they do that sometimes with the credits yeah. and everything, but yeah it's crazy and here the thing is here we don't have credits here we have finals uh, it's just so mm. different yeah. but the fact that we studied the same thing I just feel like I know there's not that many people that can relate to that I think like I talk mm. about it in YouTube videos sometimes but I don't really go too into depth with it because I just feel like it's such a niche thing that not yeah. a ton of people can relate to or interested in and then I always get comments that are like why did you brush over that like I'm doing the same thing too and I'm so interested in that and I'm like uh, I don't know <laughs> like I don't want to you know make people bored if they're not studying it but it always is cool to get to talk to people who are you know studying the same thing yeah yeah for sure but before we get started on the episode and more specific questions and whatever I always do this with the guests I always ask them I always ask them how are, how are they really doing because I feel like right now it's important to just put like feelings and mental health in the spotlight and just so people know that it's okay not to be okay and just to talk about how we're actually feeling so how definitely. are you really doing now <laughs> how am I really doing wow that is a loaded question I definitely think like overall I have a hard time because I definitely am the kind of person that I'm like okay I'm feeling down but I need to check myself because other people have it worse and everything so I kind of like do that to myself all the time um but I think what I've struggled with a lot this year is just not feeling like I'm progressing at the rate that I should or feeling kind of like stagnant or feeling like, you know, I'm not getting anywhere. Um, but I did read a post on Instagram the other day that was really good. It was by at Moon Omens, if anyone wants to look it up. It was kind of like signs that you're still um, advancing in life, even if it doesn't feel like oh, it. Oh, yeah. I yeah, did you see, I reposted it on my story, but it was very interesting because it was like, just reminders about things that aren't necessarily your traditional benchmarks of progress that still mean that you're, you know, learning and growing, like um, losing friendships and being more content with staying still and not 
like distracting yourself and everything. So I thought that was really important because I think that's something a lot of people can relate to this year, especially. And we always look back at other years. Like I was thinking about how I haven't even like hardly met any new people this year because there's a virus and you can't like go out and socialize as you normally would. So you can't hold yourself to the same standards, but it's definitely been tough because I'm someone who always puts pressure on myself to like be doing new things and growing and all this, but it's uh, been a learning process for sure. And overall, I think it's been good. It's been good for me to kind of reevaluate what metrics I'm judging myself on and everything like that. But definitely a tough yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. Same. <laughs> so yeah, it's just such a hard year for everyone. And I feel like now that are the holidays and like the end of the year, everyone's going to look back and be like, hey, <laughs> nothing yeah. really happened. But I feel yeah, like exactly. sometimes it's okay just to better the relationship with yourself and that's it. You don't yeah. always have to be like doing a hundred things at the same time. And I'm just like you. I'm always like meeting new people, doing the things and new mm -hmm. clubs and new whatever. And it's like... But it's just as important, know. like you said, to foster your relationship with yourself and also like the close people in your life. Like I wouldn't mm. in a normal year be spending this time with my immediate family, like this much time. So I'm really trying to take advantage of that and like cherish all those moments because, you know, I'm not out meeting a bunch of random people, but I do get to spend more quality time yeah. with close people. So I think it's a balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But then getting more into the episode, uh, I wanted to first ask you for everyone that doesn't know, you went to college, where did you go to college and why did you choose international relations as your major? I first went to college in Southern California at a school called Chapman University. It's kind of like a smaller liberal arts school. I feel like not a lot of people know about it unless you're from the area. It's also known a lot more for film. So a lot of my friends are like in the entertainment industry or went into producing and film and everything because it's near Los Angeles. So um, a lot of people are confused. They're like, why did you go there if you're studying political science? So I went in as a political science major because I always knew I wanted to be in politics for some reason. I always just like had these big ideas of wanting to, you know, make great change and affect people's lives mm -hmm. and all that, you know, idealistic yeah. stuff as a kid. Um, so I was like, <laughs> okay, I'll be a political science major. And then I went in And I started taking political science classes and I was like, running for office in the United States sounds like the worst thing in the entire world. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and so I started to take international relations classes and they actually had a program at my school called Peace Studies. So I took a class on that and I was like, wow, I had no idea that this was its whole own field. And I got really interested in that and kind of like multilateral United Nations work and um, like peace and security kind of stuff. So I kind of just slowly expanded what my idea of what political science was. And um, it gave me a different perspective on it. And so <clears throat> I double majored in political science and peace studies in undergrad. And then from there, I was like, I feel like I have so much more to learn. I don't feel done with school. So I wanted to go straight into my grad program. And so then I applied and got into American University, which is in Washington, D.C. So that was where there was a lot more opportunities and places to get experience. Um, and then I, I kind of chose international peace and conflict resolution accidentally almost. I always mm -hmm. thought I would be more of like a U.S. foreign policy kind of person. Um, but I didn't really like studying things from just a U.S. perspective. I feel like it's so limiting. And so I wanted to do something that was more applicable to kind of like different global perspectives. So um, I looked into the International Peace and Conflict Resolution Program. And since it aligned a lot with what I studied in my peace studies classes, I thought that would be great. So I really enjoyed it. And I'm really glad that I did that. And it definitely taught me a lot more about 
you know, the field in general and what all is out there and what I actually mm-hmm. want to do. So yeah, no regrets. It was definitely a journey though. I think you're constantly learning and you're constantly learning about you, what you want to be learning too. So you have to kind of like take stops along the way and think about like, is this the direction I want to be going in? And what offshoots could mm-hmm. I take that maybe I didn't foresee when I went in as a political science major? But yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I totally feel that. I feel like our field it's so big and you can do so many things like for example Mm -hmm. i love the part of political communications and elections and campaigns and stuff that's something i really Mm -hmm. really like but then i'm like okay yeah i like i like security and like foreign policy and stuff but i don't know if i want to do it here maybe i want to move somewhere else and maybe and you're like this year was the year that i just i was like what the hell do i want to do i have no idea you have to start thinking about like grad school and everything and i'm like i know that feeling the last year of college was so stressful to me i didn't even know what i was gonna do until like i don't like it wasn't my dream to immediately go to grad school it was kind of like just what made the most sense and i didn't even think i was gonna get in and then when i got Mm -hmm. in i just had this feeling of like okay this is the right thing for me right now and i also knew that i wanted to be in dc and that was a great step to get there um so it was definitely stressful though I remember that feeling but don't worry you'll look back (laughs) and you'll be like I should have just chilled out like it all worked out (laughs) but it's hard to tell yourself that yeah the the two careers political science and international relations we share the first three years of the career so we basically do the Mm -hmm. same career into the last year so sometimes you look at like subjects and classes and you're like I don't like this at all like I don't want to do this and you're like oh, wait, but this year is very, like, political science focused, not mm-hmm. so international relations. So you have to take a step back and be like, okay, calm down. It's only temporary. Yeah, yeah. totally. But it's also just yeah. as important, I think, to learn what you don't want to do and what you don't mm-hmm. enjoy. Because I think that's honestly, like, from my internships and different, you know, jobs experience that I've done, I think it's taught me more of what I, it's narrowed in what I don't want and what doesn't really work for me as a person. And I think that's just as important. Like, it sounds negative, but I think it's hard when you're just looking at it, you know, as a student who doesn't really know what it's like in different industries and different facets of the field and everything, looking at it, it's one thing, and then actually being in it, and you think you it's going to be one way, and then you find out that maybe you don't want to do this every day, and you find out that there's a whole different, you know, route on that path that you didn't even know about that suits you. So I think it's yeah. great to try as many things as you can, um, and recognize that I don't want to do this, and that's okay yeah no for sure I totally feel that and I also feel like the thing about grad school is that this uh, at least for me this career is so like heavy reading and heavy studying all of Mm -hmm. the time because at least here in Argentina has a lot of like history and like a lot of authors and it's like so so much studying like my mom comes every day and it's like what are you doing and I'm like (laughs) I'm always studying like there's nothing more I can do yeah and sometimes thinking about grad school I'm like do do I want to keep on doing this do I want to keep on studying Mm -hmm. over and over again because sometimes you think like okay maybe it's better to just go out and get a job and see what I like and what I don't and this year when I got into like my big big like crisis like what do I want to do I I did like what you said I started like crossing out the things that I know I don't want to do like I don't want to do I don't know like journalism I don't want to do this and this Mm -hmm. and this and it gives you like a more clear vision of where you want to go especially again in such like a broad career because I don't know if you do law school or med school you know that you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer Mm -hmm. it's a very clear path you can be so many things and you can take so many tests to go to so many other 
places you yeah. can be a foreign officer you can be like this and this and this and you're like oh my god I don't yeah. know <laughs> it's scary it's like sometimes you're kind of wishing that someone would tell you what to do but then you're like well what if I wouldn't like that and then there's just so many different things out there that you never even know it's gonna sometimes you know, I, will, I, will, I will really appreciate it if someone told me like okay in 10 years from now you're gonna be okay with the job yes. you chose like a psychic just telling you exactly what you're doing and all that but then if you know it kind of takes the fun out of it and it kind of takes the guesswork out of um you know figuring out the path as you go but it's definitely yeah. a struggle I yeah, for that. sure. And here, I don't know how it, I wanted to ask you, I don't know how it works in the US, but here, everything that is political science or international relations are very like related, mm-hmm. even though I don't like that, but they're very <laughs> related. Um, and it's very hard to find like a job that's specific for that. Next year is going to be an election year here. So it probably will get us more opportunities for anything that we want to do. But mm-hmm. here, it's just, you know, that when you get into a career like this, it's very hard to find a job. How do you find oh, it? Yeah. Is it hard in general or is it just hard right now it's definitely hard i think because there's not very much at least in the u.s it's very hard to get in at the entry level and most i think a lot of entry level jobs that would normally like in the past be full-time paid positions have been replaced with unpaid internships and so Mm. it's really hard to break into that because you're also like okay i want to get experience but the way that this company or this group organization brings in new talent is unpaid internships. And you're like, I don't want to keep doing internships forever. Like I want a full-time job, but then it's like, it, it's hard. Like it's very unfair to the people who can't afford to just work for free for a long time, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's tough because that's just the nature of the field. And so it gets to a point where you're like, okay, I really need experience, but also like I need to be realistic so you kind of have to like find the balance between that. Um, but I think, I don't know where it's going to go in the future, but it's definitely a problem that I've noticed is that there's mm-hmm. not like the, every entry level job that pays needs like three plus years of experience, which is just like Same. crazy. Yeah. 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 I was looking, we, we were having, we, I have a group, a WhatsApp group where they send all and any, like anything that says something about international relations, they send it there as mm-hmm. a, like a job opportunity. And they send one from like the UN. There were like some internships here in Argentina about the UN, UN women. And, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I was like, that's, and they were asking for like four years of experience for an unpaid yeah. internship. I was it like, is if crazy. I have five years of experience, I don't think I will be doing an unpaid mm-hmm. internship, you know? It's, like there's a way you can afford it. It's way it. more common than you'd think. And I think, well, I don't know if it's super common in other industries, but it's like public service kind of work a lot of the times is just a lot of volunteer you know, put in your time and you're not going to get much money for it. It's not a big industry you can like profit from. Uh, but a lot of people don't go into it to make a lot of money. So <laughs> it's it's tough. Yeah, it's a thing. But then I wanted to ask you about your job in in UNICEF and how do you get that? I, I love the fact that you got that job. It's like a dream job for me someday. Mm-hmm. So I really want to know how you get into that, like the whole process and yeah. how was the job actually? Well, it was like... I mean, the thing about UNICEF was that I went into it knowing that it was short. Like, it wasn't, like, a um, full-time fixed position. It was just, like, a contract for a few months because they just needed someone to consult on this launch they were doing for education. And it was in their communications department. So I was working on advocacy for education. They were developing videos to launch with this, like, whole report that was coming out. Um, And so they basically just needed someone temporarily to run their social media while the 
advocacy team was working on getting out this report and doing other aspects. So I was mostly just doing social media. And I think that's why I got it is because I have 10 years experience of doing social media and YouTube and, you know, creating content for brands and stuff. So in that aspect, like it was a good crossover for me. But also I think being there because I wasn't really doing international relations. Like I wasn't really doing what I studied in school, even though I was at UNICEF, which is a huge international organization, you know, an agency Mm -hmm. of the UN. And it's the kind of thing that sounds like a dream job for people in our field. But I think that's the not the issue, but that's part of it is like, just because you're in an organization or in like a group or something that has always been a dream or that you think is right for you, not every role in it is going to be like, there's so many, like, you know, UNICEF has tech jobs and people doing IT and like fixing the computers and they have people doing communications and there's just so many roles within it that, you know, it's just, it depends on what you want to do. But it was definitely interesting to be in the communications because UNICEF is known for having a really, really strong communications in their branding and like their colors, like people recognize UNICEF and their, you know, images and everything very quickly. I think, I think they're, they're really good at it. Um, So it was really cool to learn from it, from that aspect. But at the same time, I do, it did teach me kind of that I don't want to be doing communications necessarily. I thought it'd be fun because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm good at Twitter. I'm good at social media. I do it for myself all the time, but it was different doing it for someone else and not doing the, you know, IR or like peace and conflict aspect of it. Um, So I went into it and I was really excited about like, oh yeah, I think education is so important. It's like very linked to conflict prevention and building up communities and development in general. But I didn't really do the substantive work. I was just doing social media, kind of like tweeting and posting and advocating what the organization was doing, if that makes sense. So I I don't think it was, it was good for me at the time. And it definitely was a really awesome learning experience. And it was only a few months. It was three months initially. And then they extended me another month. Um, so four months. But at the same time, it definitely taught me that I don't want to continue down the communications path because it's tough because I do have a lot of experience doing it for myself and I don't usually put that on my resume when I'm applying to things in the field because it's usually not relevant but for that one it was a communications job so I put that um but yeah it definitely was good um anyway so the way I got it is I just applied through the UNDP website um I love that page (laughs) I know (laughs) it's so yeah it's tough because like you really never know how competitive it's going to be. I don't know. Like some websites will tell you like this many people have applied, but you and you just yeah. kind of like throw it into the abyss and hope for the best. Um, and I've applied to a lot of those things and never heard anything. So that Same. was like the first one. Yeah. That I would like gotten an interview for and everything. Um, and they wanted someone to start soon. And it was kind of like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say they were like desperate. So they picked me, but I feel like it was like, um, kind of a last minute thing and it just it worked out it was what I I was looking for something then and I'm glad that it was temporary because if I had taken that and it was like a full-time permanent position um I don't know that I would have like I don't know how long I would have stayed because I quickly learned that it wasn't really a good fit for me in the long run but it was a good learning experience at the time so yeah I applied through the website um and then probably like a few weeks later I got a call for an interview and then I did an interview and then I did a kind of like not writing test but it was kind of like they gave me an article and told me to make a certain amount of social media posts out of it just to see how I fit with the style of it 
and everything. And then I passed that and got the position. So yeah, it was, um, it was cool to be able to immediately start doing something in the UN and get an insight to the UN system, even if it was just like one department of one agency. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot to learn there. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And I love, even if you, that's not what you want to do, still you got UNICEF in your resume, which I think it's just so cool. Yeah. <laughs> just get that. But then I wanted to ask you, and I forgot before about your internships. Do you have like an internship that you remember that you really, really liked and you're like, okay, I would really love to continue down this path? Yes, I did an internship in my last semester of school at the U.S. Department of State. So it's like our Foreign Affairs Bureau and everything. And that one, I um, I interned in the Bureau of Conflict and Stabilization Operations, which was perfect for me. It was right up my alley. And it's funny because, again, like I kind of fell into that by accident because you when you apply to the State Department in the U.S. for internships, you apply to you pick two bureaus that you'd like to work in. And I got a call to do interviews with both of the ones I applied to. The other one I applied to was the International Organizations Bureau. So like working liaison with the U.N. and WHO and different organizations like that and I thought for so long that's what I wanted to do like in my head I always thought the UN was endgame and I was like okay it'd be cool to work at the State Department but working with people who work at the UN and things like that um, and then I did an interview there and then I didn't get that one but then I did get the other bureau the conflict and stabilization operations and I was disappointed at the time but looking back like it's one of those things that it pushed me in the right direction I think and it definitely was a better fit than I would have been in hindsight so it was really cool. I got to work on the peace process support team. It was like a small team of three guys and me. We were always like, there was, there's two arms of the bureau. There's like the functional arm that does like, um, what's the word? Just kind of like areas focused on topics like peace process support, atrocity prevention, um, you know, concepts like that. And then there was another half of the bureau that was like regional. So they'd have the South America team or it was more smaller than that but you know yeah. broadly and like the Middle East and things like that and they would come to us with country specific problems like hey the um, someone from the Costa Rica Bureau or the Costa Rica Embassy is asking for guidance on this and we would do the research on peace process support to bring to them so it was really cool to see how those two interacted and yeah. um, I really liked what I did there and I definitely I liked that one because it was so substantive and so just in the grit of it and what I would actually be like to work there. Um, so mm -hmm. I really appreciated that experience and I love the people that I worked with and it was just a great opportunity. So um, that was definitely my favorite. And I think I would like to work in the state department in the future. Um, they, I always thought I wanted to be a foreign service officer, like going and living in embassies abroad. And I worked with foreign service officers that were stationed in DC while I was there and just hearing about it from them it kind of taught me that it's not everything that you think it is in your head, you know, and it was another lesson of like, maybe I should reevaluate this and maybe this isn't the right path. But working in the State Department in the U.S. is a really cool way to do that, too. And there's other opportunities, you know, in the civil service that you can do things that you you're passionate about and work on the issues without moving every two years to a different country and like being a diplomat in that sense. Yeah. So I definitely really enjoyed that experience and I would recommend anyone who's in the US or if your country has a similar program um, to intern or get experience in like the Foreign Affairs Bureau. It was a very awesome way to kind of learn what I wanted. 
Yeah, that's the great thing that the U.S. has that here we don't have in Argentina. It's like the internships in anything like public, you know? Mm -hmm. The others are more like connections, like the father of the father of the father, the child of the child. That's so tough. (laughs) And that's why I thought I wasn't going to get it too. I was like, how do you even break into this? And I had applied before and I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, it's... I'm sure it's so much easier if you like know someone or whatever. Um, but luckily I don't know how, but I got that one and it was a great experience. So yeah, that's yeah. tough when it's all about connections, I think makes it much yeah, harder. For sure. And here we also have like foreign, how do you call them in English? Foreign? Uh, foreign service officers. officers? Mm-hmm. Foreign service officers. Yeah. That get like, we have like everyone in freshman year wanted to be that when we get, yeah, like me. when they <laughs> ask you, you know, what do you want to be? I was like, yes. And like, 20 other people were like yes we want to mm-hmm. be there and then once we went to the that place and they like told us how the test what the how the test works and how their actually lifestyle works and it's like oh because it's because not you think just that you're gonna career. be like yeah you think that you're gonna be like oh i'm gonna go to, to london and then i'm gonna go to like i don't mm-hmm. know somewhere in europe and it's like no they send you to like chile you know like the country next to yeah, us you're not gonna so feel like mm-hmm. the states so yeah it's like a it's like a whole thing like our, i think that our field is just so big and just so crazy and it's so competitive too like so many people yeah. are so incredibly smart and qualified and have so much experience so that's why i think it's easy to get in your head and compare yourself and say like oh i'm definitely not qualified for this and i know so many people that would do better at this because there's just so Mm -hmm. much talent and people that just really know what they're doing but you have to kind of like keep yourself in check and be like hey like i'm qualified too i have the same degree as this person like i worked hard for this too and give yourself credit because it's hard in a competitive field where the entry level is all like unpaid internships yeah yeah no for sure because i i remember that the thing is um, my career at least here the major is so like books and authors and so like it lacks like the practice part and you're like okay Mm -hmm. but how do i apply this to like the real life so um, in march i wanted to start looking for internships and everything and i was like looking for some and everything and then everything shut down oh no yeah the timing was not good Mm-hmm. yeah so now everything is like kind of starting back up and i'm starting to look and everything but everything is just so are they doing internships remotely at least yeah we okay. have remote internships but the thing is like again it's so broad everything that they were doing like you have like the more social part with like poverty like um how do you say like like the numbers of poverty and everything we have mm-hmm. a place in my school that does like the whole thing and they analyze all the data and they do all of the things and I have a friend working there but I know that I don't like that and then you're like okay well maybe next year is election year people are looking for, and no one is to anyone like, like openly like hey I'm looking for people everything yeah, is again just who you know. like connections so you have to know and it's the hard right to people. network in a pandemic for sure like it's hard enough to network. I'm terrible at networking and it's hard enough to do that in like a normal environment where you can go to alumni events and go to school things that have panels of people in different organizations. But now that it's all mm-hmm. remote, it, it's much more difficult. So I feel yeah. that. But but yeah, I, I, was, I was talking about myself something. Oh no, I'm so interested <laughs> to hear like what you're doing and stuff too. Like I said, it's cool to be able to talk to someone who's interested in the same thing. Yeah, in the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm, every time you say something, something about the internship or something, I'm like, wow, I'm so amazed because again, everyone was this year going to start looking for things mm-hmm. and everything just shut down. So everyone around me is like basically unemployed or working for something else. Yeah, like they're doing the like. Boat. 
translations or something that really doesn't have to do with the career, but you need a job anyways, and right. just, so you do it. So everyone around me is not doing something that has to do with this. So every time I hear someone that did something, it's just so cool because <laughs> it opens your head even more like, okay, I can do so many other things and yeah. this one thing that I want to do. So yeah, it's crazy. Definitely. But <laughs> there's, then there was a question that a follower sent and it said, what is your idea, ideal way to use your master's degree your master's degree or basically what is your dream job down the line someday? Okay. I have a hard time answering this these days because Mm -hmm. I feel like with everything I've kind of explained with trying different things and working in different organizations that I had certain ideas of that weren't necessarily how they played out. I don't really think I have a dream job anymore. I think I have dream ideas and values and kind of issue areas that I want to work on. So what's what I think is my dream job is doing something where I can help work on um, women's economic empowerment to be a tool for peace building or like prevent conflict because a lot of conflict and, you know, unstable instability, I guess, is just based on a lot of economic grievances. And I think a lot of that can be preemptively helped with economically empowering women and helping women to be like business owners and start their own businesses and like do it for themselves. Um, So that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I'd love to be able to do something that works on that, whether that's like in the US State Department um, would be really cool, or in an international organization. Um, I'm not so much sure that I want to work in the UN. Um, I don't know. I think I definitely would be open to getting more experience in the UN in a different capacity and working more like maybe in UN women or in UNDP or something. Yeah, that's cool. I was before I got UNICEF, um, I had been up for this position at UN women. It was in their humanitarian and peace fund or something that was like a brand new kind of like NGO built into UN women that was like right up my alley so perfect and the interview went so well and I was like this is it I'm so excited and then I didn't get it and I was so disappointed um but then I got UNICEF and it taught me a different set of lessons so you never know what doors closing to open another one um but yeah so I'm definitely open to doing something like that um in the future and I don't know like I like the idea of doing temporary positions like I've done because it is such a great way to learn um what you want to do in the long term So I don't know, I guess part of me is like, okay, I don't have a dream job. And then part of me is like, well, it'd be cool to be like the Secretary of State and um, run the State Department, (laughs) but (laughs) completely opposite things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel like I have like a very dream, dream, dream job that you look in. It's like, maybe someday. Such a reach. The the real dream job. And it's like, oh, uh, I don't Mm. know. (laughs) But it's so important to keep those you know, big dream jobs that you think will never happen because it's so good to have broad goals to work towards. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important to motivate yourself that way. Even if realistically you look at it and you're like, okay, there's a one in a million chance that that is going to be me, but you can at least pretend and fake it till you make it um, and use that as kind of like a guiding goal. It's like shoot for the moon, you'll land among the stars kind of thing. Like it'll at least (laughs) guide you to where you're supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. But then to keep on moving with the episode, because I can talk about international relations and everything (laughs) for years and years and years, um, this question asked by a follower kind of connects with the next topic. It says, do you have any advice for someone who wants to do grad school and YouTube at the same time? 
Yes. Wow. That is a tough one. Um, <laughs> it was a struggle. Honestly, I guess grad school and YouTube by itself. The first year that I was in grad school, I was just doing YouTube full-time. I didn't do any sort of work or internships in addition to that, which I kind of regret looking back because I think if at any point, if you have the opportunity to get an internship or get some sort of experience, like I think you should jump on it. Um, not just to boost your resume, not just to boost your resume, but to teach yourself what you like and don't like, like I said, like, I think that is invaluable. But anyway, so just doing the YouTube part, um, I definitely, it kept me busy for sure. And I had a lot of late nights when I was up editing the videos that I'd filmed all day and everything and vlogging and coming back from class at like 9pm and eating dinner and editing and all that. Um, But let's see advice, I would just say, definitely prioritize the school part and don't hold yourself to high standards of like goals on YouTube. Like I think YouTube should supplement and kind of reflect your grad school experience rather than you pushing off a paper because you need to get a video done. Like it's so important to focus on your education. And I would say, you know, put your a ton of effort into school and then fit in YouTube where you can and don't put pressure on yourself to upload like, you know, three videos a week, like do what works for you and give yourself grace and document it you know, be realistic and just set the right expectations for yourself because you don't want to overload your own workload and have a breakdown every week because you have a paper due and you have to edit and all this. Mm. So go easy on yourself. (laughs) People will understand if they're watching your videos, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then I wanted to ask you how you started your YouTube and what kept kept you going, like making videos and everything through college, grad school, and now... That is a big question also. Um, when I started YouTube, is a, it was a completely different landscape. It was like no one was making money from it. It wasn't a job. It was hardly even a hobby. Like it was like weird at the time back when I was in high school. And um, it was like beauty gurus doing makeup tutorials. And I started watching, of course, it was like Juicy Star 07 and her sister, All the Glitters 21, and them doing like reviews and stuff. And I remember I was so fascinated by the concept of a haul video because I had only ever watched like makeup tutorials or reviews. And I was like, why are they showing me this if they haven't even used it yet? Like, why aren't they telling me if it's good or not? Like, this is such a waste. But then I ended up loving haul videos and I was like, this is the best thing ever. Um, So I started, I was watching, I just got obsessed with these, you know, makeup people on YouTube. And then I was, after a couple months of that, I was like, I could do this. Like I could easily do this myself. Why not? And I just started and they were terrible, but I hate to look back on them because that's the thing about doing YouTube for a long time is you look back and you like, you can't escape your old self and like how weird you used to be and like the kinds of things that you recorded and put on the internet for people to see is like truly astounding. Um, So it's funny because like you can look back at old pictures and be like, oh, that was fun. But then when you hear yourself talk, from 10 years ago it's like oh my god like make it stop um but anyway so I got into that and it was all like fun it was like what got me through the school day because then I'd go home and like try a new mac eyeshadow and like make a video about it um and then what kept me going through the years is honestly just kind of adapting and changing my channel depending on where I was in life so when I was in high school I was doing a lot of like beauty fashion stuff even though I was not even qualified for that but that's like what everyone did And then I went to college and I found my niche kind of making like college advice videos and college prep videos and packing for college and people loved those. And college vlogs weren't really a thing back then. Like I hardly vlogged my college life. I would do vlogmas, but that was like pretty much it. 
And I really wish that it was like a thing then that I could look back and see like a week in my life in college because I didn't do that kind of thing back then. Um, but then I kind of fell out of it after the first couple years of college because it's so demanding and it takes so much of your time. And I was so involved in like the social life and YouTube really fell to the back burner. I think I went like almost a year without uploading one time. And um, that's the thing, like YouTube has been ebbs and flows because it's been such a long time and things are always changing and different. Um, and then I did vlogs recording my abroad experience and that brought people into it again. And I think people really enjoyed that. And then I fell off of it. And then I got back into it when I finished college and just started doing fitness stuff. And I was on like a fitness journey and people really liked that. And then I kind of just started filming what I was doing in different steps in my life. So I did when I moved to DC and did all the grad school videos and kind of kept up with the fitness stuff. And um, I don't know, like, I think it's hard because this year, especially, I made a video recently talking about it. But this is the first time that I've really only done social media. Um, yeah. I had like maybe a month between grad school and starting UNICEF last year. And that felt like a lifetime of me not doing anything else. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, what am I even making videos about? But now it's like very different. Um, and I think I've realized that like, I'm not really meant to be just a content creator. Like I'm not good at making videos about like my life and lifestyle and people don't really care about my like products and fashion and stuff as much as other people because people want to see like what I'm doing career-wise I think is what people like for my videos and now that it's just YouTube and just social media it's a little bit different so I've kind of I've still been vlogging but I've kind of taken a step back and taken all the pressure off myself for it um, and in the future I definitely think like for me YouTube has always been a supplement and a reflection of my life and my goals outside of it and so this year, especially, you know, with everything going on and how it's been different, um, it's been a challenge and it's been me kind of trying to step back and think about the role that YouTube plays in my life and how I want it to, because I've never been the kind of person that shares a lot of personal stuff. And like, I've never really, like, obviously it's a channel about me and I film my life, but at the same time, I feel like it's not really about me, me. Like, I feel like, I don't know, it's, it's tough, but basically I want to kind of make videos again about like once I get back into working in career stuff and advancing myself that way like I want my videos to kind of reflect that um and not just be driven by like okay what should I make a video about today like I want it to be about other things that I'm doing so if that makes sense uh it's definitely been an interesting journey with my channel and how much it's changed and adapted throughout the years like if you took one video from like three years apart along the way you'd be like what is this girl even like <laughs> making videos like what is this channel about like there is no consistency um but at the same time like I really appreciate the people that have stuck with me you know throughout that entire growth process and maybe subscribed in 2011 for a YouTube makeup tutorial and now they're watching me you know go through life and move to new cities and things and it's cool so it's an awesome community too I really appreciate that and the people that have stuck around for a long time <laughs> yeah no I love that and, and also even if you wanted it or not, it, it really helped you this year throughout like the whole ups and downs of jobs, just having like an income. Yes. There oh, the for sure. Like, I'm so lucky to have that. And I feel mm -hmm. like I feel guilty almost because there's so many people that lost their jobs or didn't have a choice. And I'm able to still have like a full time income from doing social media. Um, so it's definitely a blessing. Um, but yeah, it's been nice to be able to do that. And I still have like I started the podcast and we have that as a new offshoot and kind of like experimenting with different things and doing merchandise and still like growing in some ways, um, but just kind of like without 
like involving the career stuff as much this year has been a learning experience yeah and then someone asked uh if you feel different for wanting a career that doesn't have to do with the influencer industry like do you feel different to like your peers you could you say in youtube like to the on youtube you mean Mm -hmm. do you feel like different or do you do you compare yourself to them um the thing is is like i don't really compare myself to other youtubers and i think that's where i've run into trouble this year especially is me trying to be other people not be other people but like do the thing where I show style things and try and show my lifestyle and like things that I see other people doing that people really like. I think just I've learned that my audience just isn't as interested in that for me. And like, that's okay. Like I have a different kind of niche and set of interests that people are expecting from my videos. Um, So I don't really, I don't know. It's never really bothered me. I'm not someone that hardcore compares myself or I've never really been caught up in numbers, like especially on YouTube. I haven't like grown my channel in years and I don't really care. Like I just, I'm just doing it as something, as an outlet to maybe give some insight to other people or reflect what I'm doing in my life and things like that. So I don't know, I guess I'm just not really in a place of like, oh, well, I should be doing this, this and this because everyone else who's doing YouTube full time is that I'm kind of just like, accepted that that's just not me and that's not the people who watch my videos either um so I think it's fine to like do what you want to do in your life and not make social media the focus of it I think it should always be second to your life for anyone even if you're a full-time influencer like you shouldn't be living your life to put it on the internet in my opinion but everyone's different like I'm not trying to judge other people but (laughs) it's it's something that I've had problems with in the past is that Mm -hmm. void of like not having the job at the time and then trying to I don't know like force something to make good content and it just doesn't work for me so (laughs) yeah yeah it's just like when you want to also it happens like with Instagram because I don't do YouTube so I compare it like with Mm -hmm. Instagram this year like you don't have the picture so you have to go and like take the picture and you're like right and you're you stop and you're like what am I doing (laughs) yeah what is going on it's like you live in an episode of Black Mirror sometimes Mm -hmm. you're like whoa what am I doing (laughs) And that's kind of why I think I've realized, especially this year, that I don't want it to be my full-time thing, is that Mm -hmm. I don't really like feeling the pressure to do things for the sake of other people. And I think that's what the entire, like, influencer industry is, is that, you know, you're making content that other people will like and validate and trying to show your life in a certain way to get people to engage with it. And I don't know, like, I just think I want to live my life. And if social media fits into that at the time that's awesome but I want it to be authentic and not forced yeah I love that I love that yeah, <laughs> Thank really you. I do because I feel like I, I don't want to compare myself to you but I feel like we're very similar in the sense that we do like the same things like college studying like mm-hmm. international relations, and I have this podcast as an outlet but I don't want to be like a full-time podcaster yes. it's not like an ultimate goal you know and exactly. I just feel like the same feelings like with you I use it as an outlet to just come here and speak and connect with awesome people but it's not something that I want to do like full-time forever right. it's like no I and there are like some people avoid. who do that and it works for them and it's awesome like if they have yeah. you know a murder podcast where they're going and re researching and bringing in all of this new information and telling stories and that is their full time like that's awesome for them but I think what I've learned is like my content comes from things that I'm doing otherwise so and that's totally okay but yeah I definitely appreciate that too like having it as an outlet and I love having it I think I oh 
what I've learned is that I always enjoy YouTube more when it's not my main thing and when it's mm -hmm. not my number one priority. And it becomes like it, it feels more like the hobby it started out as when I really enjoyed it and did it just for YouTube, not for any sort of like, you know, growing an audience or making money or anything like that. And um, I think that's what I've learned is that having that is really helpful, especially when you are working full time and doing school and you're really stressed to have this to kind of, you know, share how you're feeling and connect with other mm. people is a really cool way to balance that. But it is different when it's like the only thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I love that one. <laughs> then another question said, and like kind of tying it with your online presence, if you want to call it that, what made you want to start your own podcast? Everyone loves it. Everyone, every single one of my followers, I go to like your page and I see that they follow you. So it's so oh, cool. Oh, wait, that's so cute. That makes me so happy. Um, I've wanted to do a podcast for so long. Like, and honestly, it wasn't for the sake of having a podcast. It was really just because I wanted to do something with my best friend, Sierra. And um, we kind of talked about it in the beginning of the podcast, but she came to visit me in New York last fall. So October, 2019. And we did a video where we were like, just cooking and hanging out and talking. And it was kind of like what a podcast would have been. Well, it wasn't that in depth. It wasn't like an hour long, but you know, it was like on a mini scale, just us being ourselves and like answering questions and hanging out. And someone commented and they're like, you two should have a podcast. And we thought about it and we were like, this is the perfect thing for us to just be ourselves, have real conversations, talk to each other, but also like expand conversations to include people all over. And we couldn't really do like a joint YouTube channel or like a video series because we did live on opposite sides of the country. And we just thought a podcast would be the perfect way to do that. And it just felt right for us in our dynamic Um, so then we started talking about it and we had all these ideas and then it fizzled out. And then, because we were both so busy, like I was working and doing YouTube and she was working at Disney and working like three jobs and everything. And we just didn't have the time. So finally in quarantine, one of the things that came from this newfound free time was we didn't have any excuses anymore. And finally we're like, we're going to sit down and we're going to make a timeline and we're going to just freaking do it. Um, so that's been awesome. And, you know, as things slowly get back to normal and we start getting more busy and working again, like I'm sure we're definitely still going to keep up with the podcast, but I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to put in all the time on the front end while we were, you know, just doing social media or what have you. And, um, I'm really excited for, I think it'll be cool once like life goes back to normal again and we can talk about like our work lives and kind of what's going on currently, um, But yeah, it's definitely been really, really fun. And I love having the podcast. And again, like it doesn't feel like a burden. It feels like an outlet. And I think that's what any sort of endeavor like that or social media conquest should be. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And do you have like a favorite episode of your own podcast that you love to like listen back to or to mm. recommend to other people? I really like, well, our most, our most popular podcast episode is the dating episode because I think people love talking about <laughs> like dating and people's crazy date stories and everything. So that's our most popular one. But my favorite personally, I mean, that one is really funny and we had some like crazy stories from people. But my personal favorite, I think, I don't remember which number it is, but it's about us talking about our five-year plans and looking mm -hmm. back like the past 10, five years where we thought we'd be and kind of the idea of how people hold themselves to like crazy standards of five years plans and um talking about where we see ourselves five years from now I think we had a really 
interesting conversation about that. And I don't know, if you just listen to one episode, I would start with that one. Even if you don't follow either of us or like know anything about us, I think it'd still be interesting and valuable to people. So that's probably my favorite. Yeah. But I like a lot of them because I'm obviously very biased. <laughs> yeah, no, but I loved in that episode that you started talking like, okay, but what if we listen to this in five years and you started like, talking about And it's so hard for now? me. It's so hard for me to do that because I'm not a planner whatsoever and I don't make five-year plans. And so Sierra was like trying to pin me down and she was like, Christy, <laughs> but if you had to, like if it were life or death, what would you say you'd be doing? I'm like, well, it depends on a lot of things. So um, yeah, I don't even know if I properly made a five-year plan in that episode even um but it was definitely an interesting way to look at the five-year plan yeah. so yeah no I, I I love your podcast I'm a big fan big listener Thank it you. always just brings me like you know when you're just listening some to something and it just brings you joy you're like wow it's just, oh, it just that makes just me so happy so nice it's and so that nice to listen yeah, we just wanted it to be like real, like make people feel good, but also real life and show that not everything's perfect. And we're all mm -hmm. going through a lot of similar challenges in our 20s or these times or whatever it is. And I think, um, you know, we're doing our best. We're not perfect. We're not amazing podcasters by any means, um, but it's definitely a fun way to connect with people and kind of just have different conversations every week. So Podcasting yeah, and cool. I also love like your lemons and your fingers crossed because it makes me think about mine, and I'm like, what would be my own yes, <laughs> lemon? Yes, we love it. <laughs> Finding the lemonade is always important. random questions that my followers ask and one would be this one is really hard because i started thinking about this one for me oh, and i was no. like oh, this is such a hard question <laughs> but That's i'm still maybe you have something to say advice uh, that you could give yourself from one year ago from one like year yeah Ooh, i mean that is hard because it's like my one year ago self would not even fathom like what has even happened since march um <laughs> i would say Honestly, I don't know. Part of me wants to say like a year ago, you know, you should be working harder to lock down a longer term job that would go beyond UNICEF because I think that would have helped me in the beginning of the pandemic a lot to have that. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, I needed to learn a lot of the lessons that I did that came from not working a full time job during this pandemic and things and doing other things. And I, I don't know, it's hard. I guess I would just say, um, it's hard to prepare yourself for this year, but I would just say, be open to different lessons and be open to just going with the flow and not holding yourself to high standards of what you expect from any other normal time in your life. But I don't even think that's good advice. I've got nothing for you, girl. <laughs> Good luck, my one year ago. That's a good one. No, yeah, because I, I think about myself one year ago, and I'm like, there's, yeah, there's like no, I feel like you can't. Can tell you, like. Yeah, you can't tell yourself what you could have done. You can only tell yourself how to think about it and how to approach mm -hmm. it and how to manage your expectations yeah. of it. Yeah, and then someone else said, "How are you such a rock star handling stress?" Oh, that's so nice. Um, honestly, I don't even know. I sometimes look back at some of the things that I would do. Like, 
I would some days wake up at 6 a.m. to go to the gym before I went to my internship until 5 p.m. and then go to class until 8 p.m. and then go home and edit a video. And I'm like, that is not a rock star. That is someone who needs to like manage her time and like get help. And like, I should have been, you know, having someone edit my videos or like doing something where I was like managing it better. I don't know, but I think- yeah, delegating. I definitely could have learned delegation better. Um, but I think that's the the thing about handling stress is like managing your priorities and what's the most important to you and making sure that you're putting your time and energy first into the things at the top of your list. And then I think that'll prevent you from stress if you can. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, like just find your outlets, cling on to those, you know, in your downtime, if you find that listening to music helps you do that instead of like letting your thoughts spiral to all the things you should be doing like let yourself live in those moments of just being with yourself and not thinking about the future and the next five hours of your life and what you're going to be doing and all this like I think you just have to be present in the moment and I think a lot of managing stress is also like practicing gratitude we talked about it in a recent podcast episode but it's so important Mm -hmm. to focus on the things in your life that you are grateful for and the positive things that you have and that'll kind of put things in perspective and make you more appreciative of the things that you get to do that might bring you stress but like focusing on the good of them and not the things that make you stressed out like don't like thought spiral on the things that like make you go crazy um but it's Mm -hmm. kind of like your mindset I think and it's hard it's easier said than done um but you kind of have to manage your priorities and have a mindset of gratitude and I don't and pray (laughs) man I don't know oh it's definitely it's tough but you just find what works for you and run with it and don't compare your way of you know managing stress with someone else's because everyone is so different and like for me Mm Um, for me getting out and going to the gym actually relieved my stress. But for some people, you know, that would drive them crazy to have another thing on their to-do list that they felt like they had to do. So if that stresses you out, don't do it. So find the things that relieve your stress and make sure you make time for them in your schedule. I guess is what yeah. I would say. That was a long-winded answer, but again, it's no, hard. No, no, but I needed that advice, actually. I'm in the middle of finals and I'm just looking oh, for that's any, the worst. any outlet I can find. I'm like, okay, anything. The thing about finals is it's like crazy overwhelming, but you know there's an end date and you just get to look to that future and you're like the light at the end of the, the tunnel. Is, my end date is the 22nd of December. I'm like, does it have to be so close to Christmas? Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't enjoy December. I'm I know, like, that was oh. the worst part when you're in school and like you're trying to be in the Christmas spirit and then you have five papers like weighing on you and you're like it's fine holly jolly <laughs> it is not fine. like my, my birthday is like the 14th so i'm like trying to enjoy like my birthday month and everything is like i yeah. can't I it's can't. also important to have those things to look forward to so like you said like with your birthday maybe you mark it off as a day where you're not going to do anything except i have it here yes, like mark exactly. like birthday <laughs> and then that kind of helps you manage your priorities a little bit because you're like okay i know i need to get x y and z done before this And then once I have that done, I know that I will feel so good and accomplished and not stress about it on my birthday and have those times where you set aside. And I don't know, I think it's awesome to be able to like look forward to something when you're going through a stressful time. So have those things set and scheduled out that you know that you can look forward to. I I call them my looking forwards (laughs) yeah thank you I call them with my dad we call them our looking forwards we're always like especially during the pandemic we were like okay what are we looking forward to this week and it was like a dinner or something and it just helped you like yeah even little things yeah definitely 
So then someone asked, this made me laugh, what's your favorite musical? <laughs> my favorite musical? Oh my god, I don't think anyone's ever asked this. Um, okay, I was gonna say it's hard, but it's not hard. My favorite musical is Les Miserables. It is the best musical. I best musical love it. Ever. It is so good. I hadn't even seen it in person. Actually, this is a great story. Um, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't like grow up on musical theater necessarily. I was like into theater a little bit as a kid, but I only knew like like hairspray and like mainstream kind of plays and um and then I went when they released the movie in 2012 I went and saw it in theaters I had never even heard of Les before this I went and saw it in theaters with my friend and we cried like the entire time it just changed my life I love that movie so much I have it downloaded so on my iTunes it's like one of three movies that I have downloaded on iTunes and um <laughs> I have like all the songs memorized and then I saw it in theaters like three more times and I was like this is the greatest thing ever and I always listen to the soundtrack and all that and then I hadn't even seen it in person or like as a play I'd only seen the movie which I know is a disgrace and then my best friend Sierra last year for my birthday in 2019 right yeah I was in LA yeah. and she surprised me with tickets because Les Mis was touring oh. in LA and I saw it in person and I cried again and yeah oh. it's my favorite it's just the best it's just so meaningful and so yeah. powerful and so many important lessons that are also like you know with the music that's just so good and the lightheartedness and the funny parts like it's just such an awesome and the history too and I don't know it's just really good so it's so good if you yeah. haven't seen it yeah, at no. least watch the movie at least I feel the same I, I always watch the movie when I watch I always like follow the Oscars Academy mm -hmm. Awards like movies so one was Les Miserables whatever you call them I was going to say the name in English in Spanish but um <laughs> and everyone like my mom my sister and two other friends and they hated it and i was what? like this is this is genius i was like this this thing this is like, art people don't talk ever they only sing i'm like this is genius and they hated that oh my god and i was like no no, no this is the best thing you don't understand one day, <laughs> no like one more day one day more oh my god like my yes. exactly like for everything happen, <laughs> yeah i'm always into that song yes and then someone asked, and I don't know, I don't know why they asked this, but are you still paying your New York City rent even though you're not living there? Oh man, um, yes, I am. It has been, you know, tricky with not being there. I'm gonna go back next month, um, but it just was too tricky because I didn't really know long term how long I was gonna be away. So I didn't want to get a subleaser and then have to kick them out because mm. I was gonna come back, and it was just it didn't feel fair to other people. So um, yes, I am, but. I will be back there soon and it is what it is but yeah <laughs> no yeah it's, it's the thing New York is crazy right now yeah everything is crazy but I wanted to ask uh, how did your life in New York City compare to your life in DC back in the day like mm. what are some pros and cons of both of the places okay that well that's kind of tough because my life was so different in both places like if I had been a full-time grad student while I was in New York I probably would have seen it differently but I think mm -hmm. being in DC I wasn't necessarily living my life for me I was living my life for my future and my career and trying to build you know what I thought was going to be this dream career by putting all my time like basically in DC like I had a social life but it wasn't 
I don't know. Like it was basically like I got up, I went to work, I went to school, mm-hmm. I went home and did it all over again. So I feel like I didn't, I don't know. I guess I would say I explored the city, but it wasn't like, like New York, I feel like is a character in your life. Like the city is so present, but in DC, yeah. it was kind of like the backdrop of my life, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So being in New York, like I think I've, and that's also me, like it's not just a reflection of the city. It's just like where I was in life. But in New York, like yeah. I definitely sought out like exploring and getting to know the city more. And I still have so much to learn and see and everything because it's massive. Um, but I feel like I really put myself out there more in New York and met more people and just did more things and I've gotten more involved in like going to events and like seeking these things out and those things exist in DC but I didn't really take advantage of them so I can't speak on it as much Mm -hmm. um but New York is just so vast like there's so many different people from so many different backgrounds and it's just it's like five million countries in one city you know and DC is very like like prim polished you know, it's the capital. So it's like everything is very like clean and perfect and easy to it's easy to get around. It's very walkable. It's smaller. Um, But I feel like New York is like more alive in a sense, like there's just it's so unpredictable. And all like the city that never sleeps, you know, it's the cliche. Um, And DC is like the city that sleeps a lot. (laughs) That That sounds rude. I guess I don't mean that. But it's just like, in DC, it's like, when things are down, they're down. It's quiet. It's clean. The lights are off, you know, but New York, it's mm-hmm. like always crazy. So I don't yeah. know. Like, I think it's hard to say because, again, my life was different. Um, but I think I definitely, like, put myself out there and felt more inspired to, like, go out and do things in New York and seek out those opportunities. And the city kind of motivated me more, um, I think. Mm. So, Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then um, one last question and then we go, we move to like the rapid fire question section of the episode. What's the most valuable lesson you've learned so far at 25? At 25? Wow. Hard questions, okay? I know. People are... Like really okay, let's see. They want to know you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been 25 for six months and I don't know. I think I would just say... Like, I've always said this, but I think I've really, really learned it this year is you are on your own timeline. Your life is your own story and you shouldn't be, you know, trying to live your milestones and reach your own expectations of what you should be doing by other people's timelines. I think that's definitely what I've learned this year, um, especially with the whole pandemic situation, not just being 25, but especially being 25, I guess, is the year that a lot of people are like, oh, like 25, like that's a quarter century, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I think it's all relative. Your 25 is different than someone else's 25. And you don't need to be comparing your benchmarks to someone else's. And you're going to look back and think like, wow, I was crazy for thinking that I hadn't accomplished this and that I was so far from this. And you just never know. So I would just say, you know, you're living your own story. You're not living someone else's. And don't let yourself get too caught up in what other people are doing at your age. Yeah, I love that. I love the <laughs> advice that I'm getting from this episode. It's oh, so thank you. Insightful. I'm so glad. Meanwhile, I'm like, I don't have anything good to help anyone with. <laughs> no, but it's the things when people ask you, like, point blank, and you're like, hey, if I think about this, maybe I have some advice to give, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or sometimes you think that, like, it's obvious, but it, maybe it's just obvious to you and then you have something that you say that resonates with people and you're like mm-hmm. oh or vice versa like 
you hear something from someone else that might be like oh just common knowledge like they just say it but it like strikes a chord with you and you it's helps change your perspective a little bit of just hearing from different people and how they look at things even if you might think your own advice isn't good like you never know what other people need to hear For sure. And then on to the last section of the episode, we have a rapid fire question. So basically just answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. <laughs> What's your go-to coffee order? Coffee order? Okay. Cold brew yes. with oat milk. That's it. Are you a show or a movies person? Oh, I'm not very good at either, but I would say if I have to choose, I would say show person. What is your favorite show then? Oh my gosh, that's hard. Um... <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna get judged for this. My favorite show probably is Teen Wolf. <laughs> I used to be obsessed with Teen Wolf in high school, or no, not high school, uh, college. I think it was early college that I watched Teen Wolf, and I love Dylan O'Brien, so I always go back to that. Yeah. It's just iconic. He kind of disappeared. He's still sad. Actually, well, no, I can't say anything, but I know something that he's gonna be on that my friend was working on. Actually, no, I can't say that. <laughs> okay, never mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> moving on <laughs> what's an outfit you would wear forever an outfit i'd wear forever uh probably yeah. leggings and my fingers crossed sweatshirt i'm actually waiting for my birthday in a couple of days to check it just gonna be like okay i want this i oh want my this God, sweatshirt yes. uh, what's your biggest pet peeve pet peeve is people who aren't willing to entertain others perspectives like they just think that they're right and they won't even entertain any possibility of them being wrong or other people having a different point of view um i think closed-mindedness is definitely my pet peeve mm -hmm. what's your, one of your favorite quotes Ooh, favorite quotes oh i'm supposed to rapid fire but i can't think of a good one off the top of my head um Oh, I, I always go back to this one, too. This has, like, been one of my favorites since high school. It's kind of cliche. But it's kind of like, in the end, the journey is the destination or something like that. Like, I think that is very quintessential of life is that you might think you're trying to get to this one point, but you have to, you know, take your stock of what you're learning in between and be grateful for the whole journey. <laughs> yeah. It made me go back to, like, the climb by Mighty Cyrus. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's the climb. That is so true. Miley was on to something. Yeah. If you could switch lives with one person for one day, who would it be? Ooh. Do they have to be alive right now? Yeah, or... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> who would I switch lives with? Honestly, probably, like... No, I don't want to say something controversial. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to say, please. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? I would... <laughs> this is, like weirdest answer i would switch lives with celine dion so i could know what it's like to be able to sing <laughs> i would just sing all day that's my tame answer <laughs> i love that and then the last one says what's a song that never fails to make you dance Ooh, um i think that never fails to make me dance Okay, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at rapid fire questions. The first thing that came to mind, this is also like a weird one, is Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake. 
<laughs> probably because he says in the song like dance 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 that's like the first thing that yeah. came to head. it's a great song though great feel good anthem love it yeah i love that but well thank you so much for being here it was so fun to have like the other half of fingers crossed in my podcast oh, i yes. feel like a complete human now so. <laughs> your fingers are definitely crossed now <laughs> yeah do you want to show yourself one last time on your socials so everyone know where to find you oh yeah you can follow me at christy vetter with a k and two e's uh, that's pretty much my handle across everything. And then you can listen to my podcast with my friend Sierra. It is Fingers Crossed Podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all the above, anywhere you want to hear it. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. It's always fun to just like talk to new people, especially like I said, like I haven't been able to meet hardly any new people. So it's always awesome to like get to mm-hmm. collaborate and be on a podcast or something cool like that. So thank you for having me it's been awesome thank you for being here yeah well and to everyone else i'll see you next week bye